0: as we rely more and more on electronic voting, it is incumbent upon us to make sure that we understand the integrity of the process. Well, there's a good idea
1: from a very bad man. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling something right. Oh, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Ooh. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Yep.
2: Oh, they're everywhere.
1: From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans, get out and vote, New Orleans. On WHIV, they got elections on Saturday. In Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe. Every damn day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Nicole Sandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow with his hair on fire. From Bradblog.com, thank you for joining me. Keep your fire extinguisher nearby. You may need it this hour. We have got uh, news on that race last week in Kentucky where Andy Bashir, the Democratic challenger to Kentucky's unpopular far-right Republican Governor Matt Bevin, is said to have unseated the governor by just over 5,000 votes out of some 1.4 million cast. Which Bevin uh, refused to concede on election night, calling for a re that happened on Thursday. Uh, that would be uh, citing evidence-free claims of voter fraud last week, but this week citing concerns about electronic voting and tabulation systems. Aha! Well... Uh, We have news on today's ReCanvas shortly, Bevin's uh, reaction to it, and much more on those concerns about the unverifiable electronic voting systems that are currently set for use next year in key battleground states like Pennsylvania and Georgia, despite their horrific failure during their first use tryout in last week's off-year municipal elections in those states. Susan Greenhall of the National Election Defense uh, Coalition will... Undoubtedly, be here to share my own burning hair about all of this and the use of these systems in next year's critical 2020. Presidential elections, uh, but today, as we have a very brief break in the hot impeachment action in the uh, in the U.S. House, uh, actually, we have no time for this, Desi. But uh, do you have that <laughs> uh, Nancy uh, Pelosi yes, clip this, today?
2: This is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi <laughs> in the Democrats' uh, regular weekly scheduled press conference discussing the uh, impeachment hearings, talking
1: down to the President of the United States in about as brilliantly a way as one possibly can.
3: And if the president has something that is uh, exculpatory, Mr. President, that means you have anything that shows your innocence, <laughs> then uh, he should make that known.
2: <laughs> she's not wrong.
1: Uh, no, she's not. Uh, just talking down a little bit. What does exculpatory mean? Anyway, thank you. Uh, we uh, with with that short break, we'll have a, a fresh green news report a little bit later for you this hour. Our one hundred, or one thousand and first.
2: When not one thousand and once?
1: Not once. <laughs> no, that's thanks. Uh, by the way, to those of you who helped us celebrate GNR one thousand on Tuesday, and the listener supported. Uh, GNR and broadcast every single day with a very much needed donation uh, at bradblog.com/ donate. Please write it down. <clears throat> well, before we get to uh, that, we have a lot of uh, let me hit in a few other news items here. We sadly had another school shooting today this time here in Southern California in Santa Clarita, a suburb uh, just north of us here in Los Angeles at Saugus High School. Six were shot including the shooter early on Thursday. As of airtime, two are dead, a 16-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy. Three other shooting victims are also uh, 14 and 15 years of age. The 16-year-old shooter is said to be in grave condition as of airtime after a self-inflicted gunshot wound with a 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol. In less grave news, Donald Trump lost... Again, on Wednesday in his desperate but so far completely fruitless legal battles to keep his tax returns from being disclosed. As Reuters reports today, the U.S. Court of Appeals in the District of Columbia said on Wednesday it would not revisit an October decision backing a U.S. House of Representatives subpoena issued to Donald Trump's accounting firm, Mazar's USA, seeking his financial records like his tax returns, the uh, eight to three vote against Donald Trump by the full U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C., declining the president's request to rehear arguments that the subpoena to Mazar's was illegitimate, brings Democrats closer to shedding light on his business interests and how he built his fortune, at least in theory. In a statement uh, Donald Trump's lawyer, Jay Sekulow, said the president would now appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. <clears throat> yes, the that would be the Republicans' stolen U.S. Supreme Court, on which two of Donald Trump's appointees now sit. And uh, just as we go to air here, apparently it is official they have filed that request with the Supremes. The House Oversight Committee subpoenaed, Mazar's this year, saying it needed uh, records to determine if Trump complied with laws requiring disclosure of his assets and to assess whether those laws need to be changed. Trump sued the House panel in April, arguing that its subpoena exceeded limits on Congress's investigative power. A lower court judge ruled against Trump in May the decision was the first time a federal court waded into the tussle about how far Congress can go investigating Trump. A three-judge panel of D.C. Circuit judges in a two-to-one ruling upheld the lower court judge in uh, in October. Uh, judge Naomi Rao, who was appointed by Donald Trump to the D.C. appeals court, Dissented from that October decision, Rao and another Trump appointee to the court, Gregory Katzis, who used to work in the White House uh, legal counsel's office uh, for Trump before he was put on this D.C. Court of Appeals.
2: For a lifetime appointment.
1: Voted to rehear the case as well, according to Wednesday's order from the full D.C. Court of Appeals. The two Trump appointees were joined by an appointee of former President uh, George H.W. Bush and opposed by eight others on the court. Now, that case is separate from the one that Trump recently lost in the federal court of appeals in New York, where he had sued to block New York prosecutors from subpoenaing his tax records. From Mazar's uh, in the state investigation into Trump's pre-election hush money payoff to porn stars with whom he had affairs, uh, campaign finance felony conspiracy, that is, uh, for which his former lawyer Michael Cohen is now serving time in jail, that would be a criminal case. That Trump is hoping to block in New York. And it's also separate from another case that was dismissed by a federal judge in D.C. just days ago, where Trump attempted to sue the state of New York over their recently adopted law allowing the U.S. House Ways and Means Committee to obtain New York state tax return uh, tax returns potentially from the president if they want them so trump has lost every single one of these cases in every single court he has been in so now the supreme court is his last hope i should say the stolen republican stolen supreme court his appeal would require just four votes for there to be a review of the case Uh, Five votes if the the Supremes want to put a stay on it. Otherwise, his taxes would almost certainly be released to both the U.S. House and the Manhattan District Attorney very soon. Meanwhile, the race to replace the hands down worst, most corrupt president of all times continues to expand. Former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick announced on Thursday that he will run for the Democratic presidential nomination. It remains to be seen how many um, were actually clamoring for him to do so. His late entry comes uh, as the filing deadline for the February 11 New Hampshire primary. That, by the way, is less than 90 days away now. That uh, deadline is on Friday. Patrick ruled out a presidential bid earlier this year, and now he's going to face some big hurdles in an already crowded field. But he says that he, while he respects the candidates in the Democratic field, he says if the character of the candidates is uh, an issue in every race, this time it's about the character of the country, says uh, Governor Patrick in his introductory video, which we also don't have time for, unfortunately, today, maybe in the future. Uh, Patrick served as the governor of Massachusetts from 2007 through 2015. Prior to that, he worked in the Clinton administration as an assistant attorney general in the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. And, uh, well, this seems important. After leaving the governorship, Patrick joined the investment firm Bain Capital. Have you heard of that? Yes, we have. uh, Notably co-founded by Senator Mitt Romney, Republican of Utah, as uh, its managing director. He may. Uh, yes. And there's a little bit of
2: additional. Earlier than that, he was also vice president at Texaco.
1: Oh, is that right? Yes. That's okay.
2: probably going to not go over well with the kids in a these Democratic
1: days. primary. He might want to consider running for uh, the Republican nomination, though. There may be a, a slot open there. In any event, Patrick uh, may not be the only conservative Democrat jumping jumping in late to the race. Uh, former New York City Mayor B- Michael Bloomberg is said to be deciding soon whether he will do so as well. Of course, there are still elections. Never mind 2020. We still have elections in 2019. Voters are heading to the polls on Saturday in Louisiana, where Donald Trump and Republicans are scrambling to avoid another Kentucky-like embarrassment uh, before 2020. They are both, both the president and the RNC, now going all in in the gubernatorial runoff in Louisiana that happens on Saturday. They are apparently spooked by a spike in high turnout by Dems during early voting. Politico is reporting the RNC just poured in an additional $1 million in a last-minute get-out-the-vote effort. Trump is stumping in the state on Thursday night, and Vice President Mike Pence is calling into local radio stations on Friday. Sadly, there are not a lot of uh, progressive or Democratic or liberal radio stations on our airwaves anymore, although we do have the fine WHIV in New Orleans, the voice of dissent, which is carrying the broadcast five days a week. So there's that. Who shall call into them? No, we're we're doing that. We're calling into them.
2: <laughs> Get out and vote.
1: Uh, let's see. Well, after uh, incumbent Governor Matt Bevins stunning apparent loss in Kentucky last Tuesday, Trump is now reportedly uh, very worried about watching another candidate who he endorsed and campaigned aggressively for in a uh, southern red state. Lose another election following his humiliation last week with Governor Bevin in Kentucky, who he had rallied for on the night of the uh, the night before the election. Trump's preferred candidate down in Louisiana is Eddie Raspone. He's said to be uh, facing an uphill battle as African American turnout it has reportedly bounced from 25 percent in the primaries up to 31 percent now in early voting for the runoff. Democrats comprise 46 percent of early voters so far. That is up from the 44 percent in the primary. Most polls now have the race very tight, giving incumbent Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards a slight edge over the Republican. On Saturday, voters in Louisiana will cast their votes, however— on 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems across the entire state. So whoever is named the winner, whether they actually won or not, will be the winner. And yes, that sort of thing remains a problem, a big one, not just in Louisiana, but in a bunch of battleground states where new, uh, brand new, unverifiable systems Failed miserably last week, leading Republicans uh, apparently ousted Kentucky Governor Matt Bevins to actually, dare I say it, be right about something. Yes news on Bevin's and why my hair is still on fire today and probably will be for quite some time unfortunately Susan Greenhall of the National Election Defense Coalition joins me to uh, to help me explain though I doubt she will put out my fire maybe she will help light yours I'm Brad Friedman you are listening to the Bradcast <laughs> My hair remains on fire. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Your hair should be on fire, too. But, okay, put it out for a second. Let's start in Kentucky. Each of Kentucky's 120 counties spent about an hour on Thursday morning double-checking the vote totals from last week's off-year Election Day, so-called re-canvas procedure. Requested by the state's incumbent Republican Governor Matt Bevan after he apparently lost his reelection contest to Democratic challenger Andy Bashir in the otherwise very Republican state by about 5000 votes, a little bit more than 5000 out of some one point four million cast last Tuesday. The state had already begun preparing for a new administration in the days prior to Thursday's re-canvass. The House Republican caucus had invited the apparent Democratic governor, uh, governor-elect Bashir, to its annual retreat to discuss areas of possible policy agreement. Senator Mitch McConnell, who the New York Times describes as the major domo of Kentucky Republicans, told a reporter for the Lexington Herald-Leader on Monday that, quote, "...barring some dramatic reversal on the re we'll have a different governor in three weeks." Well, there was no dramatic reversal in Thursday's re-canvas, as expected. That is essentially uh, simply a double check of the computer-reported results to make sure that they were added together accurately. Virtually no results changed in Thursday's re and just before air, Bevin said, according to NBC, that he will not contest the results. That means he's conceding, I think, and it means a Democrat will be the next Kentucky governor. But on election night, November 5, Bevan declared that he was not conceding this race by any stretch. That's a quote, adding, quote, well corroborated irregularities must be examined, including what he described as thousands of illegally cast absentee ballots, though he offered zero evidence to support his so-called well-corroborated claims of voter fraud. He also offered an offhanded reference to concerns about electronic voting machines that same night. And by this week, prior to the re when interviewed by Louisville's ABC News affiliate about those well-corroborated irregularities, Bevin was very vague, though he cited no evidence on those particular irregularities. He did offer repeated references to being unable to trust results reported by the state's unverifiable touchscreen voting systems and its optical scan tabulators.
0: As we rely more and more on electronic voting uh, in, in the digital calculation of things and the electronic calculation of things, it is incumbent upon us to make sure that we understand the integrity of the process and that it is not able uh, to be manipulated. There is no question these same machines that are used here are used in other states and they're used nationally. So there's certainly good reason to believe there's correlation between a lack of integrity or confidence in integrity in a process in Kentucky and in any other race that might take place. The real question is, is there confidence in the voter logs themselves? The digital data that was taken, can it be relied upon? All Americans want to have confidence in the electoral process. They have to believe that their votes are counted, that they are counted legally, and that there is integrity in the process. We have to believe that the process works. And in an electronic day and age, there's increasing concern that uh, that may not always be the case.
1: Well, the governor from Kentucky who initially cited false claims of thousands of illegal votes cast is unfortunately not wrong on these uh, these points concerning our electronic voting systems. While there's been no evidence of note to support Bevan's concerns that votes may have been tabulated incorrectly, there likely would be no such evidence to speak of when it comes to any and all touchscreen voting systems used in the states. And the only way to assure hand-marked paper ballots were tallied correctly is to count them by hand, a count that Bevan indicated today he will not be seeking. But the fact that he was citing concerns about unverifiable and unverified results in truth should be a concern to many voters on all sides of the political aisle for a number of reasons, even when these machines work as planned. Even when they are not misprogrammed accidentally or on purpose or hacked by foreign or domestic actors, it is often impossible for anybody to know if they tallied results as per voters intent. That is always true when it comes to touchscreen systems that record votes inside the machine or even the newer touchscreen computer ballot marking devices systems that use printers to mark so-called paper ballot summaries on the voter's behalf. After an election on those sorts of systems, even one where the machines worked as designed, voters cannot know after an election if reported results are accurate because we cannot know if any voter actually verified the computer-marked papers, much less if they verified them correctly to assure that even one ballot reflects even one voter's actual intent. Nonetheless, in a number of other states beyond Kentucky last week, there is boatloads of evidence that brand new touchscreen computer ballot marking devices or BMDs that are being deployed to key 2020 battleground states like Pennsylvania and Georgia before next year's critical presidential election did not work as they were sold to work by the private vendors who sold them for hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars, by the way. To elections officials, the wildly expensive brand new computer voting systems failed spectacularly in a number of places in their first tryout in both Pennsylvania and Georgia last week, even as counties in more than a dozen other states plan to use these very same unreliable, hackable and 100 percent unverifiable voting systems next year. That, despite election integrity and cybersecurity experts begging those locations, including even here, my home county of Los Angeles, the nation's most populous jurisdiction, to use hand-marked paper ballots instead for the arguably most important elections in the history of this nation. As we've been detailing on this show since last week's Election Day, Bloomberg News finally noted last week that the first sign something went wrong with Northampton County, Pennsylvania's state-of-the-art voting system came on Election Day when a voter called the local Democratic Party chairman to say a touchscreen in her precinct was acting, quote, finicky. As she scrolled down the ballot, the tick marks next to the candidates she'd selected kept disappearing, Her experience on November 5 was not an isolated glitch, according to Bloomberg's Karthike Marotra and Margaret Newkirk. Over the course of the day, the new election machinery, brand new machines bought over the objections of cybersecurity experts, continued to malfunction. Built by election systems and software, the ES&S ExpressVote XL was designed to marry touchscreen technology with a so-called paper trail for post-election audits. Instead, it created such chaos that poll workers had to crack open the machines, remove the ballot records and use scanners to conduct a recount that lasted until 5 a.m. Of course, there is no way of knowing if those ballot records on the computers actually reflect the intent of any voter. In one case, it turned out a candidate that the Excel showed getting just 15 votes had actually won about 1,000 votes. The local paper, The Morning Call, described what happened there, uh, said in the contest for county judge, Democrat Abe Cassis reportedly received zero votes in a whole bunch of precincts on election night. He was initially shown with just 164 votes total out of more than 100 precincts reporting. It turns out he didn't have 164 votes. He had 26,142 of them. Nonetheless, that is the type of voting system that we are now moving to here in Los Angeles and across all of Georgia and in counties in Pennsylvania, including Philadelphia and in New Jersey and North Carolina and South Carolina and Ohio and Texas and many other places. And yes, my hair is on fire about this and is likely to stay that way unless and until these folks change course and allow a verified hand-marked paper ballot for every voter in this country. I really do not think that folks are fully appreciating the potential fire that is being played with here For next year's election, and I guess I need to be the one to make that clear on the airwaves anyway, because Lord knows the Chuck Todd industrial complex is not doing so. In Bloomberg's surprisingly good report on this, as they noted, finally, as we have been yelling and screaming for months in advance of all of this. In Philadelphia, a three-person election commission discounted cybersecurity warnings and in February selected the ES&S ExpressVote XL. After a massive lobbying effort by the company, that in opposition to election experts advocating for a much cheaper and verifiable hand-marked paper ballot system instead, those experts were ignored. And yes, those systems in Philly also failed last Tuesday, forcing many voters to wait for an hour to vote during a sparsely attended off-year municipal election. Imagine what next year will bring to the key swing state of Pennsylvania in the most Democratic part of the state. In Georgia, where the state's Republican Secretary of State is also deploying similarly new, unverifiable ballot marking devices made by a different vendor to the entire state next year, despite warnings from experts, those new systems failed in four of the six counties where they were being piloted for the first time last week. Bloomberg quotes Susan Greenhall, vice president of the National Election Defense Coalition, as saying that too many election officials have been convinced by vendors and colleagues that spending more money and deploying more technology will result in a better, safer election. She said these elaborate election systems benefit companies' bottom line far more than the taxpayers and voters paying for them. Her nonpartisan nonprofit group Is now calling for Pennsylvania to decertify these new unverifiable ballot marking device systems before next year's critical 2020 elections. Susan Greenhall is vice president for programs at the National Election Defense Council uh, Coalition, and she has been researching and working for years on state and federal policy regarding election verifiability and security. She has for years been a critical voice in this fight, though I think it may be the first time we've had her on air, at least in modern times. In any event, welcome to the broadcast, Susan Greenhall.
3: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: I am really worried, Susan. Uh, I'm really worried about next year's elections with these new unverifiable voting systems really proliferating in key battlegrounds like Pennsylvania and Georgia, but in dozens of other places as well. Uh, It is not being reported much. Uh, It seems the media usually wait to cover it until it is too late to do anything about it. But do you share my concerns about the 2020 elections?
3: What, what is really concerning about these ballot marking devices is that there's been a false equivalency created by the vendors, and I think it's been accepted by many people in the election official administration space mm-hmm. and, and in, in the election uh, community at large, that there is a paper record there, so therefore the voting system is verifiable, and the problem is that all evidence that we we have to, so far to mm-hmm. go on indicates that that paper record that the expensive touchscreen ballot marking devices that you described so well is not actually verified by the voter. And that's the critical point. That's mm-hmm. the whole reason we've been advocating for years for paper ballots. That's the whole reason that the National Academies of Sciences have come out and said we need paper ballots, why the Senate Intelligence Committee bipartisan report said we need paper ballots, because it creates that, or it provides that uh, physical artifact of voter intent, which is not hackable by some uh, Mm -hmm. malicious um, cyber actor. Um, And it it provides something that can be used to audit the election results. And if it's not
1: Well, I was going to say, you you described uh, and and, uh, described the uh, uh, several groups there as calling for paper ballots, but these officials are describing these things as paper ballots. Don't we need to make the distinction between hand-marked paper ballots and what these folks are now describing as paper ballots that really aren't, that are computer-marked, you know, paper summaries of the vote?
3: Yeah, I wouldn't even call it a paper ballot. I would call it a ballot summary. Yeah. Uh, card um and and it, it and we need to make the distinction that it doesn't achieve the same uh a uh, uh, pro- or doesn't contain the same properties that that paper ballot um that uh' cost that we we know is a handmarked paper ballot mm-hmm. provides with a, a inherent verifiability that or inherently or is inherently verified because the voter has marked it i've heard people uh argue that um, those of us that are um, insisting on the need to have an inherently verified handmarked paper ballot have moved the goal fo- goalpost. And I think that is exactly untrue, because for years, and, and you know, Brad, because mm-hmm. you've been around um, as long as I have, mm-hmm. when a long time ago, when people were looking to replace DREs and there was a move to paper ballots, the uh, the term paper ballot. Meant a hand-marked paper ballot, mm-hmm. as well as a ballot-marking device that would be provided to anybody that has uh, any need for assistive mm-hmm. technology in marking that paper ballot, and that was the system that mm-hmm. was um, that people were referring to when we said you need to replace DREs, and it was under it was accepted, and as states moved from uh, from direct record electronic machines or DREs mm-hmm. um, to paper ballots, they adopted uh... handmarked paper ballots with assisted technology for those that may need it mm-hmm. um, and in states like maryland and states like florida and states like california as that transition happened that's what happened and then it was just a couple years ago that the vendors introduced ballot marking devices um, that produce ballot summary cards that don't produce a ballot that looks the same as everybody else's ballot Um and the and made the declaration that this is exactly the same. Well, no, we don't know that it's the same. And just because they've told us it's the same, we um, shouldn't automatically accept that it is. The vendors who have gone out and introduced ballot marking devices that produce ballot summary cards instead of a mark sense paper ballot mm-hmm. that um, uh, will, will mimic the same or look the same as a ballot that somebody marks by hand, uh, they've moved the goalposts. And um, that that product does not provide the same verifiability and the same auditability as a hand-marked paper ballot, um, and and any in the. Uh, the assertions that it, it does are unfounded.
1: And to be clear, no one is against an assistive device uh, for people who choose to use it, whether they're disabled and they need help in voting in, with, a, with with such a device. That's one thing. Uh, and, and that's already required by federal law under uh, Hava and, uh, and the American Disabilities Act, that there must be one such machine in each uh, uh, polling place. But what these companies are doing, and and I would suggest tricking many of these elections officials into falling for, is that, oh, everyone needs to vote on one of these machines, so you have to buy 10 or 20 or 50 or however many people you want to be able to vote at one time in your precinct uh, using these machines that, after the election, as I noted and as Susan suggests, they're unverifiable. We don't know if the voter actually checked the vote to make sure they're accurate. And this is a problem, Susan. Uh, I would say a bipartisan issue across the board. You heard me uh, uh, cite Matt Bevin's concerns and never mind that he was, uh, you know, noting conspiracy theories about voter fraud. The points that he was making about having confidence in the reported results is real. He is a died in the world Republican and um, At the same time in Pennsylvania, Republicans were filing lawsuits in regard to the disasters that happened in Pennsylvania and Northampton. Um, And while Georgia's Republican secretary of state is pushing these machines in, uh, in that state. Democratic-run counties like Los Angeles and the city of Philadelphia are also supporting the new use of these uh, machines as well. So I hate to both sides this thing, Susan, but, yeah, both sides seem to be really screwing this up uh, bigly at this point.
3: Yeah, I'm, I, I won't disagree. <laughs> I, I think, you know, you can find people um, uh, uh, on—but at the same time, there's, there's people on both sides of the aisle that will— um, mm-hmm. Be, will will uh, be proponents of hand marked paper ballots that are inherently verified um so we have people you know on both sides of the mm-hmm. aisle getting it right and bo- people on both sides of the aisle getting it wrong um which is uh, unusual but at the, the same time it's something that shouldn't be by uh shouldn't be um partisan in any way we need um transparent elections we need secure elections we need accessible elections for all voters that benefits both parties that or all parties that benefits every voter and um I've heard it said we need a system that the devil himself could run, and you mm-hmm. can still trust the results. It needs to be transparent and verifiable to the electorate, yes. and that means it's something that's auditable, that the voter knows that the election right results are correct, um, and that the election officials can prove it. And that this, um, uh, th- there's no room for uh, just trust us in this. We're not. To, we we shouldn't have to trust the vendors. We shouldn't have to trust um the election officials we should all be able to see and verify for our own eyes through observation um and auditing that the election is being conducted in a fair um uh and accurate manner and a secure way um, anything less than that is unacceptable in a healthy democracy, or one that you you aspire that aspires to be healthy. We, we can't you. have
1: that. Yes, and I uh, like your uh, the devil himself. I used to say uh, we need a system that uh, you know Catherine Harris in Florida could run <laughs> and would work, or J. Kenneth Blackwell in Ohio could run. I guess I need to update that now. To we need a system that Brad Raffensperger, the uh, Secretary of State in Georgia, can run, right. and the people can oversee it. Uh, election officials. However, in Northampton and Philadelphia, certainly not Republicans, they insist that uh, because these machines print this computer marked ballot summary, whatever we want to call it, uh, that it doesn't uh, that I guess they're saying it doesn't matter. Uh, that voters could not vote on them for an hour or so, several hours during the early rush last Tuesday, or that the computer reported results did not match the paper printouts because they could just rely on the paper that they pulled out of these machines, these so called backup paper ballots, as Senator Amy Klobuchar always seems to describe them, uh, that we could uh, just simply rely on those. Now, you're calling for those very machines to be decertified. Uh, your group, National Election Defense Coalition, uh, but so are those officials wrong when they say, "Hey, we got the results. Look, here's the paper."
3: Well, we don't know that they're right. That's the important thing, and the reason we don't know that they're right is because, so first of all, the, the paper that is in that specific machine, um, that that machine is is especially difficult to verify the, the ballot because the. the ballot prints, or the ballot, I, we mm-hmm. should say the ballot summary, mm-hmm. prints behind a piece of glass, and the font is very small. And according to the Secretary of State's own examiners, they were unable to verify the vote choices on printed on that ballot summary card because of the orientation under glass and the position on the, ba- uh, on the machine. When um, the, these extraordinary problems happened on Election Day, um, some members of the local parties went to court. And a judge hearing this actually said, I'm going to paraphrase, but he said something pretty close to, you're telling me my vote not, might not be counted because I didn't check a piece of paper in the lower corner of the <laughs> machine? Come on. So he was yep. saying, he had no idea he was supposed to verify that piece of paper. So, yeah, go ahead. So, um, and, and all evidence that we've been um, uh, collecting so far, although it's not in a scientific with scientific controls and so forth, um, indicate that people are not actually um, verifying those ballots. So when we saw these these very um, uh, crazy results, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, that showed that there was a problem in the tabulation, and there was a, undeniably a problem in the tabulation, um, the, the um, vendor and the local officials said well that's okay we'll just use the paper and we'll count from the barcodes that have been recorded on the paper and we'll we'll rescan the ballots on different machines that will be able to tabulate them correctly uh, but that's making the assumption that all of those ballots recorded the votes properly and i don't think that that is a a fair assumption or a reasonable assumption to make when these machines already failed so spectacular to tabulate. How do you know that they did the recording portion of their job correctly when they couldn't do the tabulating portion of their job correctly? And
1: that's my um, that's my point. That's my fear that, uh, you know, that this question, the one that you just asked, will be the one that comes up after Election Day in 2020, whether it's the general election or the primaries uh, that are kicking off in less than 90 days. Susan, uh, is it already too late to do anything about this, I know you 're calling for the systems in Pennsylvania to be decertified, uh, but voting begins like I say in some states in less than ninety days at this point, is it too late?
3: Well, implementing handmarked paper ballot systems fortunately can be done in very uh quick order if mm-hmm. it's absolutely if it 's needed, and states have shown us that they can do that like Maryland and virginia so it it 's not too late to to fix that. What we need is the will of the um the election officials um to be uh to to make it happen um and then it can be done hmm. uh i you know you're exactly right about the concern and and what is what's also very troubling to me is it it, it doesn't take um, much to for people to to look at that and say well these machines didn't count right so are, how can you know that they recorded right and and i don't need to be you know, an insider or a computer security expert to be able to say mm-hmm. that it's not a fair assumption to say if it failed on one side, we don't know that it actually um, worked uh, uh, properly on the other side. Um, but that that people are trying to stand up and tell us something that on its face is not supported. And that, that always really troubles me because we want to have confidence on our election systems and in our uh, election administrators. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it makes it harder if they're going to say things that don't uh, don't kind of pass uh,
1: the the smell test, logical, the yeah. logic test. Let's say, <laughs> yeah. I and and there's a difference, by the way, in having confidence in those officials and simply trusting those officials. Uh, and we don't have time to get into it, but I know the National Association of Secretaries of State has now launched a a campaign called something like "Trust Only Us." Uh, I think that's what it's called, literally, urging citizens that only they should only trust election officials when it comes to election information um, and that, you know, information, I would argue, that we should be able to see for ourselves. But that said, uh, very quickly, I've got just a minute or so, the, the Bloomberg article that I cited, Susan, um, reports that cybersecurity experts are baffled by local election officials choosing these computerized voting machines. They uh, cite, a, uh, they quote a, a frequent guest in the broadcast, Rich DeMillo, who I know you know as well, mm-hmm. a uh, Georgia Tech computer science professor. He used to be the chief technology officer at Hewlett Packard. He said, it's a mystery to me. Does someone have eight by 10 glossies? No one has been able to figure out the behavior of election officials. It's like they all drink the same Kool-Aid. You, Susan, have worked with many of these officials for years. I'm always asked, you know, what are these people thinking? So what is your explanation for why so many of them, as I note, in Republican and Democratic districts alike, seem to continue to ignore the experts and simply trust? Yes, they trust the voting machine companies, even though they've failed them over and over and over for decades now.
3: So I, I am going to caveat that, that because I know, and, and it's 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 easy to focus on the, the the you know the problem areas, but you and I both know some people who have been doing amazing jobs mm-hmm. um, trying to protect elections. So we know that they are out there. And some officials to, are great,
1: if, yeah, no question.
3: Yes, you and I, you and I know some that are are excellent. Yep. So it's some. So that's so it's a sum. It's not all. Um, I don't know what the answer to that question is. I, you know, we were um, involved in exposing um, the fact that um, es and had a secret board of advisors um, uh, in that they were uh, that was composed of election officials who were um, treated to um, free trips around mm-hmm. the country to Florida and Las Vegas and New York City. Um, to on e s and s 's dime mm-hmm. we don't know if the other uh big vendors have similar arrangements um, or although i'm saying i i 'll I'll say hart um explicitly denied it, but Dominion would never answer the question um, <laughs> but uh, i 'll tell you where you can draw a line there in in in, in new york um in new york city um or the executive director of the New York City board of Elections, who was on this e s n um, s Board of Advisors uh, wrote to the state board and said um, we absolutely need to buy these ExpressVote XLs, the ones that failed in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, this was uh, earlier this year, in March, I believe, and um, it's so imperative that we get them because it's the only way we're going to be able to run our elections on. And uh, for now that New York has early voting, which was just passed, mm-hmm. um, so we need you to waive to the to the state. Board of Elections, this is the executive director of the New York City Board of Elections, mm-hmm. writing to the state board saying, we need you to waive the testing and certification process um, so that we can buy these machines right away. And the state board, to their credit, composed of some of those excellent election officials that are out there, said hard no. Um, you can't do that. You ha- the- we need to be able to test these machines. Now, is that a coincidence? or is that um is there something else going on there? Well, it, I'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, well, it was not a coincidence in Philadelphia where ESNS as you uh, referred uh, was found to have been lobbying uh, these election officials for years and were recently fined, ESNS was, some $2.9 million for not reporting it properly in the state. Uh, but you know what? That pales in comparison to the uh, tens of millions of dollars they won. On contracts across that state. And I'm not saying that these election officials are being paid off, but I think when you've gotten to know someone for years and you fly them out to Vegas and you wine them and you dine them, then you end up sort of trusting them. And as Susan Greenhall uh, correctly said, our elections are not about trust. They are about verifiability and oversight by the citizenry. Uh, Susan, we're going to have to pick this up on another day, as I suspect this fight is going to continue. But boy, am I happy you are out there making it. I would urge people to uh, check out your Twitter feed, um, which is S.E. Greenhall. And you spell Hall H.A.L.G.H.S.E. Greenhall. Greenhall. Uh, and you can also, of course, find her work. She is vice president for programs at the National Election Defense Coalition, which you can find at electiondefense.com. Dot org Susan really uh, delighted you joined us today and and hope we won't make it another 10 years uh, when you do it again
3: thanks very much Brad good to be here thank you thank
1: you okay I, I I tell you what I am I am really worried and I'm gonna continue uh hopefully worrying you about this as well I shouldn't be the only one to have my hair on fire about this and we're gonna so we're gonna keep talking about it so that when things if things as I expect um Go south? Yeah, go south in the primaries next year and potentially in the general election. Susan says there's still time to switch over to a hand-marked paper ballot system, that it's easy and that it can be done anywhere, even here in Los Angeles. Are you listening, registrar, recorder, county clerk, Dean Logan? At least you uh, won't be able to say, broadcast listeners won't be able to say they were not warned. Uh, All right, well, going from my hair on fire to Desi Doyen and the entire planet on fire. <laughs> Sadly, things only get better, see? <laughs> Take a quick break, and we are back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right here on the broadcast. You're welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Okay, so maybe the whole world on fire is an exaggeration Slightly. given the huge uh, Arctic, what do we call that? The polar
2: vortex, Vortex.
1: yes, that is uh, at least chilling much of the U.S., but these fires... In Australia now that have been going on for uh, days are just absolutely huge and wicked and scary. Yes. And, of course, covered in our latest Green News report.
2: We've seen bushfires, but what we're experiencing at the moment, it's like something, something else, isn't it? Yes, it is. Catastrophic fires hit Australia. Arctic blast hits much of the U.S., plus... There's absolutely no scientific basis for doing this. They didn't even identify what problem they're trying to solve. Trump EPA seeks to limit science used to write public health rules. All of that madness
1: and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman.
2: And I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment
0: climate crusaders homing in on a new target to save the planet (laughs) Uh,
3: liberals are coming for your thanksgiving turkey we'll tell you about it next
1: no no they're not but that's what they're telling you on fox news yep this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyen, over on Fox News, they must really, really not want to talk about impeachment because on every single show over there, they're talking about liberals coming to steal your Thanksgiving
2: turkey. (laughs) And, of course, Fox News is lying. They are outraged about an article on Huffington Post that simply offered ways to reduce your environmental footprint on Thanksgiving. That's all.
1: Yeah, well, now you know. Now you've been warned. So when your crazy uncle comes on over for Thanksgiving, you'll know why he's so mad.
2: Meanwhile, in actual news, a blast of Arctic air has brought extreme cold to more than 200 million Americans in the lower 48 states this week, breaking century-old records. While it's not unusual to have cold weather in winter, it is unusual for it to hit this early in the season. We're still more than a month away from the official start of winter. So
1: your crazy uncle who watches Fox is going to be mad about the turkeys? And he's going to be saying, what climate change? It's freezing outside.
2: Well, you can also tell him that it's really unusual to break this many extreme cold temperature records all at once. Well, he won't listen. Scientists say that the warming Arctic is changing the jet stream that drives weather systems across the northern hemisphere. And this loopier jet stream causes cold Arctic air to spill far south like a freezer door left open.
1: So a warming planet is causing colder weather. Good luck selling that to your uncle.
2: Well, hey, it's in line with climate scientists' predictions of more frequent extreme weather, including extreme cold. In Australia, hot and dry tinderbox conditions are fueling catastrophic bushfires. This week, officials in Queensland and New South Wales declared critical fire warnings the highest designation as more than 100 early season fires raged across eastern Australia amid soaring temperatures and crippling drought. As of airtime, at least four people are confirmed dead, thousands evacuated, hundreds of homes destroyed. Officials said it is unusual for intense bushfires to start so early in the season and so close to populated areas. An Australian government science report last year warned that climate change is making Australia's bushfires worse but saying so has become a political lightning rod. Conservatives this week criticized environmental groups for mentioning the climate change link, but the mayor of Glen Innes, Carol Sparks, fired back.
1: Her name is Sparks? Yes. She fired back?
2: Yes. It's not
0: a political thing. It's a scientific fact that we are going through climate change and of course it's not relevant at the moment when people's houses are burning but the overall thing is to deny climate change is to me a very ill-informed and uneducated way of looking at things.
1: That's it. She's uninvited for Thanksgiving.
2: It's also unusual to see major wildfires in both hemispheres on the planet simultaneously. Thanks to man-made global warming, Australia's fire season and California's fire seasons have now extended to the point of overlapping.
1: Which is odd because when it's summer there, it's winter here and vice versa.
2: Exactly. Meanwhile, here in the United States, the Trump Environmental Protection Agency has proposed a new rule to limit the scientific research the agency is allowed to use to determine public health regulations. The Trump EPA this week proposed to disallow all public health studies in which the full data isn't made public, including confidential patient medical records. It's a change long sought by polluting industries, according to Dr. Andrew Rosenberg of the Union of Concerned Scientists on a recent broadcast because it would deprive the EPA of the data justifying pollution standards.
1: This isn't about transparency. This is about restricting the ability of the government to do the job that we want them to do. That is to protect public health and safety.
2: And people need to know that.
1: Yeah, they're basically outlawing science.
2: Finally, uh, Brad, you had asked how Swedish teen climate activist Greta Thunberg is going to get back to Europe after the upcoming U.N. climate conference was switched from Chile to Spain. Yep. Well, after her whirlwind tour of North America, Thunberg and her father are hitching a ride on a zero emission sailboat with a young couple and their baby. Very
1: nice. Safe travels, Greta. And thanks for all the hell raising. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. And our thanks to those of you who helped us out by stopping by bradblog.com donate to celebrate GNR's 1,000th episode. This, of course, is 1,001. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Can I sail away with Greta? Can I? Can I do that? It can sure does sound away? nice.
2: It's going to be a rough crossing, so of course, best wishes for her on that. And by
1: the way, uh, I'm not sure that I do want to sail away with her because was it Venice uh, record flooding now Venice, in Venice?
2: Venice, Italy. Yes, they have the. They're just now experiencing the second highest tide ever recorded, um, and it's the only the sixth time that St. Mark's Basilica has been flooded mm. in 1,200 years, oh, and okay. uh, the four of the last six. Floods that hit saint Mark's Basilica yeah. all hit in the last 20 years.
1: You know, it's like the climate is changing or something.
2: Yeah, it's like something scientists have been telling Somebody us about, really that people aren't, do aren't doing anything about it. About
1: yeah. yeah. Okie doke. Well, another episode where we end by saying, you can't say we didn't warn you.
2: True. But you know what? Hey, if you're in Louisiana... Yeah. You can be warned. You can get out and vote. And, you know, you can also be a vote Sherpa. You can help other people vote. You can reach out to other folks, you know, who are in Louisiana and help them get together what they need to make sure they get out and vote on Saturday.
1: Yes. And we will all pretend that the uh, results are accurate, even though they are 100 percent unverifiable. But don't let them that stop you from voting. Bad guys ain't got to steal your vote if you give it to them. By not voting. All right. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. My thanks also to my guest today, Susan Greenhall of National Election Defense Coalition, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. We always appreciate it. If you missed any version, any any part of portion of today's show, you can download it and any version of it you like <laughs> at Bradblog.com for free. Uh, my, uh, You can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. You can also drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And yes, as ever, we thank you for uh, being a listener sponsor of The Bradcast and The Green News Report by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
2: But we'll try best.